0: again good morning it is good to be here with you this morning as we continue this sermon series that we have um, this is our third week and our final installment of this series we have called Jesus in Galilee as we have followed Jesus early ministry earthly ministry as he moves from being baptized by John the baptizer and then into Galilee and where he calls his disciples and de- begins building this community of faith that we will call the church and we'll kind of see how Mark, the gospel of Mark, the writer, the evangelist Mark, understands Jesus' identity and his mission. You know, this is important for us to, to kind of get a grasp on how Mark is telling the story, how Mark understands Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God that Jesus Christ is proclaiming. To help us do that, I want to just kind of, kind of walk us through the context so far. And remember, we're in chapter 1 of Mark we're only, we've only, we're only going to go through verse 39 of Mark. 39 verses. And I want us to notice just how quick, how, how rapid Mark moves in his telling of Jesus' story. As I, as I just said, you know, Jesus is introduced by John the baptizer where John is in the, in the wilderness baptizing whoever will show up offering this baptism of repentance. And there's Jesus who shows up to be baptized and, and, and John says, I, I'm not worthy to baptize this one. This one who I, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. But he comes This one who is so worthy. And John baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River. As Jesus is coming up out of the water, we're told that the the heavens, uh, from the heavens we hear this voice. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And the spirit descends upon Jesus as like a dove. And then we're told immediately, Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness where he will stay for 40 days fasting and in prayer and will be tempted by the devil, the great tempter. And he will overcome, he will defeat the tempter and resist these temptations. And then we're told he comes out of the wilderness and comes back into Galilee and at the same time we are told that John the baptizer has been arrested by Herod. John the baptizer, this prophetic voice in the wilderness is completing his mission. He's been preparing the way of the one greater than he. And now as Jesus takes center stage, John the baptizer takes a back seat. And from here on out, Mark focuses on Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So he has Jesus re-enter Galilee, and he's walking along this coastline of the Sea of Galilee, and there he finds his first four disciples. He calls to them. He calls to James and John to, to follow him, and they lay down their nets, and they leave their boats, and they follow Jesus. And then going a little further... He sees two other fishermen, Andrew and Simon, and he calls to them to follow him and and they do the same. Immediately they lay down their nets and they leave their boats to their father and they follow Jesus. And they follow him all the way to Capernaum where he enters the synagogue and begins to read and teach. Unlike the other rabbis, unlike the Pharisees and the scribes, He teaches with a sense of authority, a charismatic, authentic authority that goes well beyond the rabbis of their day. This has been an amazing experience for those who would hear Jesus speak, those who would hear Jesus teach. His teaching has authority And in the middle of this teaching, a man stands up in the synagogue who is possessed and exposes himself as being a possessed man, and Jesus casts out this demon. And for Mark and for us, what we can learn from this is as Jesus teaches, as Jesus proclaims the kingdom of God, the revelation of not just the divine. But of our own authorities, those lesser and weaker authorities, those lower authorities that lord and rule over our lives are exposed. And the kingdom of God has come to cast those authorities, those demons out. This is just in the first 28 verses. There's a rapid pace, a constant movement in Mark. There's this sense of urgency that time is incredibly important and short. And so the divine authority must move quickly into the world to display the kingdom of God and proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ reveals this kingdom. This sense of urgency we've talked about, this sense of time we've talked about, and the sense of authority, this charismatic and authentic authority we talked about last week. Today we want to talk about this movement, this constant perpetual movement of the kingdom of God. Now when I was in seminary, as I was preparing for this sermon, I I couldn't help but think about a particular instance in seminary. I was, it was probably my third year in seminary and I had to take a class on worship. It was required for our conference to be an elder. Kristen had to take a worship class. I took this class and I loved it. I loved all of my, well, not all of them, but most of my classes I loved. I had an Episcopalian priest teach worship. And it wasn't a particularly difficult class, but he was a stickler on things. And one of the projects that we had to do is we had to outline in in great detail a worship service. We had to plan it. We had to orchestrate it. we We had to lay it out, diagram it. We had to um, give all the rubrics and the steps. We had to know exactly how many steps from the, from the door to the chancel, how many turns there were, the order that people came in, the order that you would go out. Everything was completely, I knew the turns and, the, and my arm movements all had to be detailed. And I did it. And I put together a masterpiece of a worship service. And I, I offered this paper. It was probably about 15 pages long when it was all said and done. And I gave him this paper. And I got it back the next week. And I was flipping through it to see how I did. And there were no marks on it. I just kept going through it. And I like, look at this, no marks. And I got to the last page. And there in big red, almost crayon, was a big A minus. And one word was circled. The recessional as we would recess out of the building and he put a note on there the church never retreats the church never recesses the church always moves forward and I thought yeah a minus so I went and talked to him I said you gonna give me an a minus for one word and he said the church Never stops moving forward. So I felt kind of lucky it was only half a grade for one word. But it's a valuable lesson. It's a lesson that Mark encourages us and invites us to understand. As we read the gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 to 39, I invite us to hear this important word and understand that the church constantly, perpetually moves forward. And now let us stand for the reading of the good news from from the gospel according to Mark. Chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. Hear now the good news. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. In these 11 verses, this passage, we have these four uh, stories intertwined. Mark is taking these, taking these four, probably previously independent stories, and combining them into one episode. As he, as he introduces one episode to the next, they leave the synagogue, they arrive at Simon's house where they find Simon's mother in law, sick with a fever, in bed, immobilized, out of her normal routine, out of her normal life. And so Jesus takes her by the hand and raises her up, heals her. Of this fever, we have no idea what this fever is or how serious it was, but without modern medicine, a fever could be a symptom of a fatal infection. But with Jesus, it was the kingdom of God coming near to raise up a woman that she may continue a normal life, and in that normal life, she served offered hospitality and welcome to Jesus and the disciples. We don't know how far this touch went, this healing took her life. We know that it had her operating normally that night. And maybe, perhaps, it even took her throughout Jesus' ministry. Maybe she was one of the women who served and supported Jesus in his ministry through his death. We're just not sure, but it's probable. It's likely. The next thing that happens is as word spread about these, this exorcism of a demon in the synagogue and the healing of Simon's mother-in-law, they begin to bring others forward who needed to be healed, who who were possessed. And, and we're told by Mark that this, as sun set, as sun was, as, as sundown is when this happened, sundown in in that day in in this culture was the start of a new day. This was a new day for everyone there. It was a new day for the world. As he healed and cast out demons. Well into the night, and then finally we're told in in the next episode that Jesus leaves in the morning before light. To find a deserted place, a quiet place, a peaceful place where he could be alone and pray and collect himself. And that's where the disciples find him. Not understanding what was happening. They want to bring Jesus back to the house, to this familiar environment, this familiar place with all their familiar neighbors. People who were hurting, people who were sick, people... They were possessed by demons and lower, lesser authorities. And Jesus says, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to proclaim the gospel in other cities to other people. Four stories intertwined to help us understand who Jesus is and what his mission is. Jesus, throughout the gospel of Mark, is understood as the secret Messiah. He silences demons who call out his name. Anyone opposed to him who calls out his name, he silences them. That wasn't his mission, to engage in a conversation and debate with the evil spirits of lesser authorities. His mission was to proclaim the gospel, that the kingdom of God had come near to all of Palestine to all of Galilee and into Jerusalem and Judea. next thing we have in the Gospel of Mark is this lack of understanding that the, the disciples have. They, they show it here when they show up when Jesus is praying and is getting ready for the next step, the next movement forward and they want to bring him back. They want to, they want to retreat. They want to recess back to the house. But Jesus says, no, we're moving forward. We're going to the rest of Galilee. That's the mission. To proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God has come near in all places. This was confusing for the disciples. It's confusing for us Knowing that there were people who were hurting, who were broken-hearted, who were, who were in need of healing, in need of exorcism. And Jesus says, we're going to other places because there are other people in other places who need healing, who are broken-hearted, who are in need of exercising. The church is always moving forward. It doesn't stop. Mark understands that as he tells this story, this hectic pace of the disciples following Jesus. Even when he pauses long enough to pray, it's not even long enough to catch his breath before the next movement starts. There's a sense of urgency and time is sensitive because Jesus, know, Jesus knows that conflict is coming from the external foes and internal foes. It's all going to rise up against him. And he has a mission to accomplish. And he has a short time to accomplish this mission. And so he says, We can't go back, we have to move forward. We have to go to the next place to see the next people to teach that they will understand that the kingdom of God has come near as near as our breath. Bringing healing and wholeness. Bringing authority that comes only with the kingdom of God. And so as I consider this passage... I consider it for us as the church. What does it mean for us as the church? It means we never stop. Even when it feels like we've paused, we've never stopped. We're constantly moving forward, looking for the hurting, looking for those who are brokenhearted, looking for those in need to offer help, to offer peace, to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God has come near and Jesus Christ is our Savior. We've been collecting cans for a week. We'll continue collecting cans of food for a week for those who do not live among us. For those who are beyond our walls, beyond our community. We've been doing it through this entire pandemic. When the storms hit, we came alongside those who were hurting and provided presents and provided food. The church never stops moving forward. Mark understands that. We are called to understand that we never stop moving forward into the world. That our focus is always beyond us, beyond our walls, beyond our addresses, into the communities that surround us, into a world that is hurting. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to to stand for our affirmation of faith.
1: I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, Well, we want to thank you once again for being here for worship this morning in person or virtually. And our reservations for next week will go live at 2 o'clock. So we hope that you will come and know that our nursery is available for the first four families. And I know that's been helpful for several of our families. And also in the coming week, you'll be getting more information about Lent and all that that will include. So just check your email and we'll give you all the information we have. So let us receive now this benediction. Let us process from this time and this space to follow Christ and to proclaim that the kingdom of God is near. Go in peace. Amen.